a golden wedding anniversary. Bill's not here because uh, he's having all the stuff. You know, it was his 60th birthday, as we, many of us know. And the church has insisted that he just has some farm artists to recharge his batteries for so much work for the church. So he's still with me. So, here we are. I've got five sixty. Thank you, darling. Thank you for sharing that. I don't feel it. I'm still a youngster. But tonight, I want to be talking about choices, the choices we make, the actions we take, the consequences of those actions. And I want to just use this simple illustration. Uh, has anybody ever watched uh, Deal or No Deal? Yes. With no oh, letters. No. Yes. Where there are 20 boxes and they have a range from nothing down to up to £250,000. No questions except one Deal or No Deal? Well, I haven't got £250,000. <laughs> Sorry. All I've got is four envelopes. I want to uh, ask somebody, I want to volunteer to ask somebody to choose a ticket. Would you go and choose a table? Just point to somebody, just choose a table, because I don't want to influence anybody's decision or choice. So just go to a table and point to somebody at that table. No, just right, okay. Joy. <laughs> very simple, very simple. All I need you to do, this is, I'm going to turn away from you, because I don't want to influence you in any way. But a loud voice, can you choose a number between two and four? <laughs> Three. I've got influence, you know, of course I have, haven't I? I've limited the choice. So how can that be? Why? We've got to be careful because there are people out in the world that want to limit our choice. Joy, just give me a shout of them around between them. Um, I say, between 1 and 16. 16. 16. Between 1 and 16. Are you sure? You don't want to change that. Between. Yep. 15. Please mind. <laughs> you have 16 if you want 16. You want 15 now. Are you sure? Because life is about making choices and sticking with those choices, isn't it? So you said 15. So this is a colour chart which is similar to the colours on the envelope. So let's count together. 15, so. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So you've chosen the yellow envelope. Now I've had no persuasion of that. That's the number that you've chosen. In fact, you've changed it, did Well, in all good game shows, they always say, before you get your prize, let's see what you could have won. <laughs> so let's look in the green envelope. Oh, you've got a crown. Wow. Right. The crown speaks of position, of power, of fame and popularity. What a great choice to have. People doing what you tell them to do. People at your command, you rule over them. Everything you see, king of the castle. The TV is full of programmes, isn't it? Like The X Factor or Big Brother. 
people trying to get fame just for a few moments. And yet we see on the television that politicians and businessmen who keep breaking the rules, just trying to get more and more power. I love Dragon's Den, I don't know if you watch Dragon's Den, I like that. But people just wanting to get more fame, more power, doesn't do any good with them. People around the world just bending the rules. Freddie Mercury, I was watching the programme last night about the Queen's Greatest Song. I don't know if anybody saw it. The Queen was a pop group and they were just brilliant. And Freddie Mercury was the lead singer. And he died at the end of uh, 1991. He wrote, in one of his last songs on the Miracle album, he wrote these words, Does anybody know what we are living for? In spite of the fact that he had amassed huge fortunes, and had attracted hundreds of thousands of loyal fans, he admitted in an interview shortly before his death that he was desperately lonely. A man that was famous, his, his face was recognised throughout the world. <coughs> Yet he was desperately lonely. And he said these words, You can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. And it was right to speak of an ongoing relationship as the one thing we all need, yet no human relationship can satisfy entirely. There's always remains something missing. That is because I believe that we were made Created to live in a relationship with God. Take God out of the equation, and there is no power or fame that can ever fully satisfy. Jesus faced the same choices that we often face. He was taken out into the desert. Forty days he was fasting and praying. And the devil came to him and said this to him. All this power and authority I give you and the glory. Well, this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this, kingdoms of the earth, will be yours. Jesus replied, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So the question is, power, fame, the lust, the flesh, deal, or no deal? Well, I will say, no difference. So, let's have a look at the next envelope. What we've got in here, do we think? Do we think we can? Whoa! Not £250,000 worth. It's not even real money, but it's, it's money. Wow. Okay. Lots of money to buy the things you always wanted. Yet the Bible says that money is the root of all evil, doesn't it? No, it's not. No, you're quite right. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm just going to read this message, this passage from the message Bible, because it just puts it in a way that I think is just important. These longer arms. 
A devout, sorry, a devout life does bring wealth. Get my glasses out of there and sweat. I've got a lot to print on your life and burn through the Bible. A devout life does bring wealth, but it's the rich simplicity of being yourself before God. Since we enter the world penniless, and we'll leave it penniless, if we have bread on the table and shoes on our feet, that's enough. But if it's only money that you are after, then you'll self-destruct in no time. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. I think that puts it quite nicely, really. It's that lust for money. God is not opposed to Christians possessing material wealth. He is opposed to material wealth possessing Christians. Yeah. The rich young ruler, we've heard about him in the Bible, he was a young man who came to Jesus, very rich, and said, what must I do, teacher? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, obey the commandments. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Be honourable to you, Lord and Father. He said, I've kept all those commandments ever since I was in boy. And Jesus said, Well, you just like one thing then. Give all your wealth away. Give it to the poor. Pick up your cross and come and follow me. And that young ruler went away very sorry because he had many possessions. The rich young ruler kept the law all his life, but he let his riches control him rather than him controlling his riches. He could not let go of his material things, even for the choice of eternal life. He chose to put his trust in material possessions instead of the God who provided those possessions. Likewise, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was hungry after fasting for 40 days. Satan came up to him and said, you have a choice. If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Again, the question. Money, material possessions, the lust of the eyes. Deal or no deal? I would say no deal. So what's in the, what's in the blue folder? No stress. Wouldn't that be nice? Nothing getting on your nerves. Nothing to lose any sleep over. No unease or discomfort. Nothing to bother you. No excitement. No purpose. No need. Many people have nothing to live for. I mean, they go out to work to earn money to pay the bills. Say you walk for a fortnight's holiday, Tenerife or wherever, but you don't have anything to live for. No purpose, 
no reason. I used to be like that. I remember as a, a young man walking uh, around Ladybrook and I used to look up at the stars and just see, think how insignificant I was, how small I was. Didn't know where I was going in life, didn't know what I was doing, had no sense of purpose. I didn't know at that time, but I was just so full of pride. See, life was all about Paul Stokes. It was all about me. What I wanted to do. What I think. What can I do? I, 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 I. It was all about me. The Bible says in Galatians 6.2, carrying each other's burdens... Uh, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, to love each other as he loves us. If, only, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. But each one should carry his own load. And I'm so grateful for a work colleague I used to work with who introduced me to Jesus, who gave me a purpose the reason for living. Jesus, again in the wilderness, was tempted by Satan. He took him up to a high pit of the temple and said, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus replied, to be said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The pride of life, feel or no deal. Well, let's see what uh, Joyce chose. The yellow. What do you think it's going to be? Of course, the Bible. Good choice, Joyce. Good choice. The Holy Bible. The Bible, God's word given to us that we can read it and understand it and live out these words that we have a life worth living. Having a sense of worth and value and purpose. All these things here represent everyday life. And, and the snares and traps that we can all fall in. 1 John 2, 15, 17 says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it is of the world, and the world is passing away, the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, and Satan will try and tempt each and every one of us in the same way. Why? Because it works. In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, you can read about it, the lust of the flesh he saw that the tree was good for food. That's why he said to Jesus, command the stones to turn into The lust of the eyes, the tree was pleasant to the eyes. So to Jesus, Satan said, look at all the earth, look at all these kingdoms. The pride of life, the tree, was desirable to make one wise. To Jesus, throw yourself down here. To prove who you are. You see, once we begin to understand the Bible, we begin to realize that it's not only challenges 
it changes our minds. Yeah. It challenges and changes and, and transforms the way we begin to think, the way that we begin to make the choices. All these things are important. Our daily needs, finances, respect for who we are. All these things are so important. As Christians, we sometimes don't understand what God's word says about such things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Those of you who read in church will know that that was a series of the preached just earlier this year. And it is so true. Now I'm sure many others here will understand what salvation means. They will understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. That he rose again. That he sent his Holy Spirit to us. So that we could be filled with power to go out and witness. I'm sure many people here will understand that. And many churches, I think, understand that. And I used to think, well, that's a simple way of evangelizing. Three-step process. You believe, you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then you go out and witness. And that's the way I used to think very recently. That's the way I used to think. And then I just thought, well, there's many churches that have that thought process and have that vision. And yet many churches are failing in telling people about God, in evangelising their communities. And they're not as success, successful as they hoped and prayed for. And I thought, well, why? Why is this? Well, I believe that there's just something just slightly missing from this fundamental stepping stone. Now, they had a lot of time to read tonight. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, 14, it says that Peter preached a sermon. 3,000 people turned to God. We would say in church circles that they were saved. 3,000 people. One sermon. 3,000 people changed their lives. Gave their lives to God. But in that that verse, just under verse 16, it says this. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Old Testament. I just love the way that the the New Testament brings the Old Testament to life. And the Old Testament underpins the New Testament. And it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, God declares, I will pour out of my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your men, your men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Oh. Just in the process of changing between visions and dreams. From being a young man, between being a young man and an old man. I still have visions. I'm just getting on to the dream part. And yes, on my men servants also, and on my maid servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Okay, bear with me. In the book of Joel, in the Old Testament, that, that scripture that was quoted in the New Testament is in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. But it says this, And it shall come to pass, Afterward. So what does it mean by afterwards? After what? So if you go back to the beginning of Joel, this is what it says. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. In other words, don't have an outward show to everybody. Oh, yeah, I want to, I want to live right. It's not rending your garments, it's rending your heart. It's a heart attitude. 
We turn to the Lord your God, a call for repentance, a turning around, a change of direction from doing it your way to doing it God's way. More than just saying sorry, choosing to do something positive about what you're sorry for. So the first step he's doing is change of direction, repentance, returning to God's way of doing things. Finding out what God wants you to do. Well, there's many self-help books out there. You can read it on the internet. Self-help. The best self-help book you can get is the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's the Word of God. So then what? The land refreshed. In verse 18 of Joel, it says, Then the Lord will be zealous for his land. Let me tell you, the Lord is zealous for Matsu. Yeah. You may not believe it, but he is zealous for Matsu. The Lord will be zealous for his land and put his people and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. He's a generous God. Verse 24, The threshing floor shall be full of wheat and back, and back shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years of the swarming locusts of Eden. God is a generous God. So God provides over and above all but still many Christians are handicapped by their poverty mentality. Their own lack of understanding or just poor choices they make in life. They don't read the word. They don't action the word. And the consequences are they are not blessed. The word of God, I believe, prevents them from becoming prosperous, their lack of understanding of the word of God prevents them from becoming prosperous. I'm not talking about just wealth. I'm talking about being prosperous in every area. Let me try to reinforce this point very quickly. I guess most of us here who are church people would know about tithing. You may have heard many sermons about tithing, giving 10% of what we earn to the church. There's been a lot, lot of talk about it. Lot, many people have preached words on it. And it's from Malachi, chapter 3, verse 8. And it says, says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God replied, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, into the church. There, that there may be food in my house. And try me now. In other words, he's saying, oh, we're testing this, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. Now, I've got to get some water here. Many people, many Christians think that if they give a little bit to the church, they will get some, something back from God. That's a full glass. But the Greek word, when you start looking at being poured out, means to empty it. And so what God does, he says, I don't want to just give you enough. I want to give you more than enough. So that all this blessing can then be shared. So you don't keep it for yourself. You use it to bless other people. This is what it means to be poured out the blessing of God. So that we 
tithe. We are blessed by God that we can then pour out to other people. Yeah. That's the power of tithing. It's not to say that the church just gets rich and rich. If you had all the down bank accounts, you'd be surprised at the lack of money that's in the accounts because we give it out. We use the money that's given into the church to bless people, to bless the community. Yeah. That's what it's about, folks. It's that pouring out, it's that emptying out of God's provision into our lives so that we can help other people. And that's where many churches fail. That they've not got God's provision to fund their vision. If we as Christians don't take, have finances to take the streets to Christ, the lap dancing clubs, the casinos, the brothels, the pimps, they have, and they will, and they are doing, even in Mansfield. So we need God's provision to fund the vision that He has given us. Then, fully and readily, we accept the Holy Spirit to enable us to witness the credibility and authenticity and power. Then we shall see our communities changed and run for Christ. The choices we make affect the actions we do. And the actions we do affect the consequences we face. If we want good consequences, and make good choices. I've asked two people just to come and just share very briefly something of times that they've had to face making the right choices. Carl, would you just uh, you're really bump, Carl? And I'm old chance you'll up next time. give my testimony, I mean, so I'll try and condense it, you know, I didn't want to become a Christian, that was the furthest thoughts, you know, what happened was, I, I, when I was a youngster, a young lad, I, I was in and out of trouble, I used to like drink and what happened, until I met Sue, and then I, I joined the army, I went in the army, went to, to Germany, and everything, as Paul said, my family, Myself, what I've got, all the material things, they were mine and ours. Anyone encroached on that or tried to take it away from me, I would have no. Then it came to the day when I, I, when I was in the army, I had an accident in my back, in the lower region, and came out the army, and I had trouble, I'd been in and out of all over wood. And then a track came through the door from Strelly Church, Pentecostal Church, past the counties, even Crusade. And Sue said, look, you've tried everything else, why not try this? So I said, just to keep the peace, because she was going on and on. <laughs> I said, yeah, all right, and it was two or three weeks away, so I got plenty of apple. we'll forget about it, I'll hide the leaf at the track, and that'll be it. Um, the day before, Sue said, are we going tomorrow? And I said, where am I? She says, to the evening, Pastor Cantor's evening, crusade. I said, oh no, I'm not worried. I said, no, you know, let's give it to Miss. Anyway, Saturday came, blessed with me again, and she virtually problem marks me down to the church. <laughs> Against my will, I was kidnapped. <laughs> I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to the church. You know, I didn't want nothing to do with it. But prior to that, I said, give 
give them a ring to see what they want out of it. So, oh, that's what will you be involved? You said they want some money. So, Sue and Ragnar, she says, Guess what? We've got two seats at the front of the church. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sooner be at the back, you know, so you could sit down. Anyway, Pastor Captain, when we got there, was introduced to a recovery people. He gave a call out for um, anyone who needed healing to come to the front. So I went to the front, and um, he laid his hands on me. I confessed healing didn't take place, but something happened. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be here. You know, so after the meeting, we went home and my two sons said to me, Have you been healed, Dad? I said, No. I said, But something happened, and I know I've got to go back Sunday night the following night. So we went back the following night, and just, it was just marvelous and wonderful. You know, something that seemed, I'd pushed so far to the background, I'd come to the forefront. You know, and I was here, and it was like the Holy Spirit was talking to me and working on me. I didn't know at the time what the Holy Spirit was or anything like that, you know. So I started going regular on a Sunday evening to the gospel meeting, and then I started going on a Sunday morning. Whilst I was doing the dinner, it was one Christmas morning, and I sat in the church and I was a friend's in a lane, and all of a sudden the gospel came out, and it was John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he was only begotten Son. And whoever believeth in him shall not perish but ever lost in life. And whosoever, that meant me. Yeah. I didn't need education, I didn't need bouncing on it. It's for everyone, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And when I realised that, and what he'd done for me on the cross, things yeah. like a big weight being lifted off my shoulders, a big nose, you know, my sins have been cast into absolute forgetfulness. You know, it was just absolutely wonderful. I just burst into tears. It's just a big release of everything. You know, all the pride and platforms have been crushed, taken away. You know, the selfishness is gone, you know. I started to see the world as it was sort of. And I've heard people say the same story. The sea, you know, the trees, the colours of the trees, the birds, butterflies. I hadn't noticed that. You know, all I've been with me, maybe like says, you know, my material things that I had. But what I would advise anybody, you know, just to, uh, you know, invest in spiritual things, yeah. not material yeah. things. Yeah. You know. And God's priority is not always healing now, although he loves to heal. It's the healing of the soul. Yeah. That's his yeah. priority. Yeah. You know, we guarantee healing in, in that kingdom, aren't we? In yeah. Jesus' kingdom. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. No more tears, no more heartaches, no more pain, the lion will lie down with the lamb. So we've got all that to come, we've already got that. So what I want to say, I've never ever really felt neglected by the Lord, even in the valleys, and I've been in some valleys with what I've got, probably my inner being, the illness and the ailments I've got. I've always knew the Lord was there. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So, just say thank you very much. Yeah, um, I can remember years ago, I know I was searching for something, 
Because um, I was listening to what the Jehovah's Witnesses were saying to me at the time. And I was definitely looking for God, but uh, I didn't realise at the time. And I started to listen to them, and then I realised that they were all wrong. And I immediately stopped listening to them. And uh, I just left it at that. And then I ended up going to a church in the house. And uh, at the time, I didn't really understand it, speaking in tongues, and I didn't understand what that was. And they told me something totally different. Uh, and then I ended up, um, a few days later, uh, I saw a friend I hadn't been in touch with before. And at the time, oh gosh, this is so embarrassing. Uh, I used to like Barry Manilow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So let's just bow our heads in prayer.